Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, the role of hymns in the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. I want us to consider the fourth movement of worship. That is the fourth movement of worship in a structured order of service that sees corporate worship as a meeting of the people of God with God himself, in which we approach God, we recognize who he is, the Holy One, we extol him for his nature and his person, we humble ourselves before him in confession of our sins, and we hear the first word of the gospel in the proclamation of pardon for our offenses. And then we move into the third movement, which is the proclamation of the word of God through the reading of the text of Scripture and through the teaching or preaching of a particular section of Scripture. And hymns play a role in all three of these movements of worship. Today I want us to consider the role of psalms, hymns, and songs in the celebration of the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table. And this is the fourth movement of worship. It's very interesting that a number of, of evangelical churches of various stripes, as well as other churches, seem to be quite neglectful of the Lord's Supper. Now, this can be illustrated by looking at hymnals, although in today's climate, many churches are no longer using hymn books, which makes us even at a more disadvantage because the only hymns we see are the ones that are displayed on a screen before us. But when you did have hymn books, and we still have them in many churches, you can look at the index of hymns and see how many are devoted to the Lord's Supper. And you'll find that there's a scarcity of them, and some hymn books have absolutely zero or only one. And so when they do have the Lord's Supper, what they do is sing hymns about the cross, which is certainly okay and acceptable. But there is a larger role that hymns can play in the celebration of of the Lord's table. I want us to consider that today, and in doing so, I want to illustrate it from three communion services we recently had at our congregation of Good Shepherd uh, Community Church here in Dallas, Texas. First of all, I want us to think about the fact that roles, uh, hymns play different roles or different parts uh, by the composition of the lyrics themselves in the service of worship. Often we think of hymns in today's climate primarily as those of, of praise or worship. And so we have sections in which we sing a few hymns, in which we sing hymns devoted to that, which is certainly a great way to praise God. But there's other ways that hymns are also to be used in the worship of God, especially in incorporating the people in the worship of God. So we have some directions given to us in Colossians, I believe it is Colossians 3.16, where the Word of God says that we should be speaking to ourselves, you know, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. And as we do so, hymns should be employed, it says, in teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so when we come to the Lord's table, we have a variety of ways in which hymns can be very profitably used for the glory of God, for the edification of the people, and for the facility of the movement of the Lord's Supper itself. 
Now, the Lord's Supper is one of those rituals of worship that the Lord Jesus himself told us to do. In fact, there are only a few direct instructions in the New Testament about the worship of Christians, but this is one of them. Jesus said that we should celebrate this meal and that we should do so in uh, as remembrance of him. Now, he's not talking about remember me in the past. He's, he's talking about remember in the same way we re- remember uh, the Lord's day, in the same way we remember uh, some, something that's been given to us that's still precious to us and still present with us. Christ is absent from us in his body, but he is not absent from us in his spirit. For the Holy Spirit is here who communicates to us the very presence of the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ himself. He meets with his people and he is the director of his own worship. We read in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, I believe, it is that the church at Troyes would meet on the first day of the week and they came together for the express purpose of breaking bread together. We know what that means as we go back to Acts 2.42 where this is what the early church did at the very beginning. They met every day and they heeded the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to prayers and they celebrated the Lord's table They broke bread together and they shared fellowship together around the Lord and around his word. Well, I want to illustrate from three communion services the role of hymns. This is what role they played on these particular Sundays in our congregation. So after the preaching of the word of God, there is usually a response primarily in a hymn. Sometimes it may be in a prayer in a hymn or also even in a a confessional or affirmation kind of statement. But then we come to the breaking of the bread or the Lord's Supper. And on this particular Lord's Day, we have this scripture to guide us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so we began this particular service with a brief statement about the meaning of the Lord's Supper, and then we engaged in a thanksgiving prayer, a relatively brief prayer, And after the table is set with the bread and wine or the grape juice in front of us, the statement is made, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. And then we sang this hymn for communion on this particular Sunday. It's called, How Sweet and Awesome. And the the words are following. The first verse is a teaching verse that tells us about what we're doing. Uh, The second is an exhortation sort of, or an engagement of our minds and hearts telling us what we are doing at the feast that turns into a prayer. And in the fourth stanza, the prayer to the Lord continues. So we're directly talking to the Lord himself. And then at the end of the prayer, uh, which could be done appropriately at the end of the supper itself, there is a prayer for God to extend his grace and mercy out beyond the congregation. Here, Here are the words of the lyrics of this great hymn. How sweet and awesome is the place with Christ within the doors while everlasting love displays the choices of her stores. That's teaching. While all our hearts and all our songs join to admire the feast, each of us cries with thankful tongue, Lord, why was I a guest? That's the beginning of the prayer. Why was I made to hear your voice and enter while there's room? when thousands made a wretched choice and rather starved than come. T'was the same love that spread the feast, that sweetly drew us in, else we had still refused to taste and perish in our sin.
Wow, what a prayer that we're praying as we begin to take the Lord's Supper. Later we pray, pity the nations, O our God, constrain the earth to come. Send your victorious word abroad and bring the strangers home. We long to see your churches full, that all the chosen race may with one voice and heart and soul sing your redeeming grace. On another Sunday, as we came together for the Lord's Supper, we also begin that service with... Excuse me while I turn the page. It's going to make some noise. Uh, we begin this service again with a thanksgiving a prayer, a longer thanksgiving prayer. And then the supper is served. And as we serve the supper, we sing a communion song uh, invited, called Jesus Invites His Saints. So obviously this song is a teaching song, uh, song telling us about the purpose of the Lord's Supper, where it comes from. Listen to the words. Jesus invites his saints to come to him and die. Here pardoned rebels meet their Lord through signs of bread and wine. For food he gives his flesh. He bids us drink his blood. Amazing favor, matchless grace of our descending God. So shall this bread and wine maintain our fainting breath by union with our living Lord in interest in his death. Our Heavenly Father calls Christ and His members one, we the young children of His love, and He the firstborn Son. We are but several parts of this same broken bread. One body has its several limbs, but Jesus is its head. Let all our powers be joined, His glorious name to raise. Pleasure and love fill every mind and every voice be praised. And after that exhortation and teaching to one another, we then celebrate the supper with the breaking of the bread. As they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And then he did the same with the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you. And then we responded with a, with a prayer, a corporate prayer, a rather brief one, and then for the closing hymn of the service, we sang a hymn that's appropriate for the ending of the supper, which was for the bread which you have broken. As you can see, this is a prayer of thanksgiving to God for the supper itself. The lyrics are as follows. And we, it's based on the scripture. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, Mark 14, 26. Here's the lyrics. For the bread which you have broken, for the wine which you have poured, for the words which you have spoken, now we give you thanks, O Lord. By this promise that you love us, by your gift of peace restored, in your call to heaven above us, hollow all our lives, O Lord. With the saints who now adore you, seated at the heavenly board, may the church still waiting for you keep love's tie unbroken, Lord. In your service, Lord, defend us, and our hearts keep watch and ward. In the world to which you send us, let your kingdom come, O Lord. You can see this is a response of a prayer, a petition to the Lord. Thanksgiving and petition for the celebration of the supper, which is a worship of the Lord himself. In the next service of the Lord's Supper, the breaking of the bread, which was guided 
by these words on the first day of the week, we the disciples assembled to break bread. And I invite you to this table in the name of the one who said, I am the bread of life. This is the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's here that we remember how he gave his body and his blood to save us. In Hebrews 10, 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. And after a thanksgiving prayer, we then sang the words of the invitation to the hymn. Now, this particular hymn is a great hymn for use in the Lord's Supper. We divide it into two sections. The first section is before we take the bread or the loaf, and then we share in the broken bread, and then we next sing the portions that deal with the cup, and then we drink of the poured out cup. And after that, we respond in praise to the Lord. So hear the words of this great hymn. It's the words of the invitation, the sacred words of the Lord himself when he instituted the Lord's Supper. Now, there are four things that are absolutely essential for a biblical celebration of the Lord's Supper. You must have the right people. <laughs> okay, and that is, it is for Christians, for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who know him as their Lord and Savior. But we invite all who meet that category to share. It's not just the church's supper, it's the Lord's supper. It's communion with our risen Lord. And it, we have the right people. We must have the right words. We need the words of institution. The supper should never be celebrated without the word of God preceding it or being involved in it. So always the words of the institution where Christ himself gave us the bread and told us what it meant and told us what to do with it. He gave us the cup. He told us what it meant and he told us what to do with it. And so we need the words of institution. We need a prayer. We need prayers of thanksgiving, at least one, maybe two, a response. But prayer is essential for the right service of the Lord's Supper. So we need the right people we need the right words. We need the right uh, prayer. We need right prayer itself. And we, we need to respond to God with, with true and living faith. We are engaging our minds and our hearts with the living God who is present among us. But back to this great hymn. It's called, "'Twas on that night. "'Twas on that night when doomed to know the eager rage of every foe, that night in which he was betrayed, the Savior of the world took bread. And after thanks and glory given to him that rules in earth and heaven, that symbol of his flesh he broke, and thus to all his followers spoke. My body broken, thus I give, for you for all take, eat, and live, and oft the sacred rite renew that brings my saving love to view. And then we share in the bread. And after that, we share in the cup with these words of the hymn. Then in his hands the cup he raised, and God anew he thanked and praised, while kindness in his bosom glowed, and from his lips salvation flowed. My blood I thus pour forth, he cries, to cleanse the soul and sin that lies. In this the covenant is sealed, and heaven's eternal grace revealed. 
with love to man, this cup is fraught. Let all partake the sacred draught. Though lasting ages let it pour in memory of my dying hour. Now you say some of those words are old and people don't understand them. Well, you can modernize them sometimes. But you know, one other thing you could do, you could simply define the words for the people. You could read through the hymn before you sing it. And that way people will know what they're doing. They'll know that this is the proclamation of the words of institution. And these are the words the Lord himself spoke as he gave us this sacred meal to worship him with and to refresh our hearts with the meaning of the gospel. The gospel is this, that Christ loved us and gave himself for us, that he was the precious offering, the great ransom by which we are purchased to God and reconciled to him. He is the one who suffered the penalty of our sins. He's our substitute. And because of all he's done, we have access to the Father and we can pour out our hearts and love to him. We have free access through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is why you should celebrate the Lord's Supper and why you should do it very often. In fact, it's my conviction, based on apostolic example, that we should do this at least once a week when the church gathers, principally on the Lord's Day or whatever day is designated for worship in your particular denomination. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. God's Word is the guide we need to follow, and we need to remember the Lord in His sacred meal.